Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is episode 72. Well known and lesser known problems with our healthcare system. In this episode, I will examine some of the important well known problems and some of the important lesser known problems that affect our healthcare system. When I refer to lesser known problems, these are problems that I think can seriously affect our healthcare quality that most people may not be aware of. Finally, I would like to end by discussing a new federal agency report that states some benefits a single-payer Medicare for All system would provide. I certainly was surprised by the agency that produced this report. I want to start with a startling fact that I learned about Medicaid several months ago. Medicaid is a program that provides health care for lower-income people and is jointly funded by the federal government and states. If your income is below a certain level, you can't get subsidies for ACA marketplace insurance plans. And if you need help paying for health care, you would need to apply for Medicaid. It turns out that in certain cases, federal law requires the states to seek reimbursement from Medicaid beneficiaries' estates upon their deaths for beneficiaries who were 55 or older when they received the benefits, are beneficiaries of any age if they were permanently institutionalized. States must pursue cost recovery in the following instances. Long-term institutional services, such as nursing home care, home and community-based services, hospital and prescription drug services provided while a beneficiary was receiving either long-term institutional care or home and community-based services. States could also choose to try to recover costs for any other items covered by their Medicaid programs. What most people thought was a government benefit turns out to be an interest-free loan that is due when a person dies. I was infuriated when I found this out. You take families that are already struggling, and then when a loved one dies, the government creates even more financial and emotional distress. If the government is so concerned about recovering money, It can collect all the taxes billionaires avoided when they die. Now that I got that snark out of my system, let me add that I don't understand all the details of how this works, and I need to study this some more. I have also included links about this topic in the description for this episode. I would like to shift to what I think are some lesser-known points about our current health care system. Here are some statistics about COVID-19 
and the lack of health insurance from Families USA. In the U.S., quote, roughly one out of every three COVID-19 deaths are linked to health insurance gaps, end quote. Quote, more than 40% of all COVID-19 infections are associated with health insurance gaps, end quote. Quote, during the period covered by the study on which we base our analysis, between the start of the pandemic and August 31, 2020, health insurance gaps were linked to an estimated 2.6 million COVID-19 cases and 58,000 COVID-19 deaths. End quote. Of course, death from lack of health insurance is nothing new. We already know from a pre-COVID study that there were 68,000 deaths per year due to lack of health insurance. The second statistic that I cited, that more than 40% of all COVID-19 infections are associated with health insurance gaps, brings up an important point. I have not seen data on how many more people get sick because they lack insurance. But one thing is for sure, it does happen, and it's totally unnecessary. Medicare for All would eliminate this problem and also eliminate unnecessary deaths from lack of health care. Now, one big reason people avoid getting medical care or medicine is cost. They can't afford health care. Medical debt is the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States. The high cost of health insurance and health care manifests itself in several harmful ways. Families have less disposable income, so they take fewer vacations, keep cars longer, and go out to eat less, which hurts the economy. They also have less money to spend on important items such as food, shelter, and education. These sacrifices often fly under the radar when it comes to health care. Another problem with our health care system is that some people stay in their jobs for their health insurance. Ending employer-sponsored health insurance would provide more opportunities for people to change jobs, allow small businesses to compete better for employees, and reduce risk if people wanted to start their own businesses. And it's not just people without insurance who suffer. In the first half of 2020, 43% of U.S. adults ages 19 to 64 were inadequately insured according to the Commonwealth Fund. This includes people who are uninsured and people who are underinsured. Underinsurance is when people have insurance, but they still can't afford medical care or medicine because the out-of-pocket costs are so high. This brings up another overlooked point. Having health insurance doesn't mean squat. I often hear politicians say that we need to make sure that everyone has health insurance. This is not a solution because, as previously mentioned, having health insurance doesn't mean you can afford health care. 
We need to make sure that everyone can get the health care they need when they need it without having to worry about cost, something that health insurance does not do, but Medicare for all would do. In fact, sometimes health insurance companies are hazardous to your health. More on that in a bit. I think another point that is missed is how much time doctors or their staffs spend fighting health insurance companies to get their patients needed care. What will happen is that the doctor requests a medication or treatment that is denied. The doctors can spend hours fighting insurance companies for approval. Here is one example based on a true story. And it also shows how health insurance companies are hazardous to your health. The doctor has an asthma patient that is doing well. For some reason, the insurance company decides that the patient must change inhalers because the company doesn't want to pay for the current inhaler. In spite of the doctor's pleas to keep the patient on their current inhaler, the patient is forced to change inhalers. Now the patient is in the doctor's office more and making trips to the emergency room because the insurance company refused to pay for the previous inhaler that was working. Medicare for All would allow doctors and patients to decide treatment without interference from insurance companies. I mentioned in the introduction that a recent report stated the benefits of a single-payer health care system. These are mostly direct quotes from the report. The composition of workers' labor's compensation would change because employers would no longer provide health care benefits and would pass along the savings to employees, increasing their taxable wages. Households' health insurance premiums would be eliminated and their out-of-pocket health care costs would decline. Administrative expenses in the health care sector would decline, freeing up productive resources for other sectors and ultimately increasing economy-wide productivity. Longevity and labor productivity would increase as people's health outcomes improved. Long-term services and support benefits, such as nursing homes, would further reduce out-of-pocket spending, provide payments for care that is currently unpaid, increase wages among workers providing care, and allow some unpaid caregivers to increase their hours worked at their primary occupation. Under a single-payer system, workers would choose to work fewer hours on average, despite higher wages, because the reduction in health insurance premiums and out-of-pocket expenses would generate a positive wealth effect that allowed households to spend their time on activities other than paid work and maintain the same standard of living. Moreover, that wealth effect would boost households' disposable income, which they could then split between increased savings and non-health consumption. 
Although hours work per capita would decline, the effect on GDP would be offset under most policy specifications by an increase in economy-wide productivity, an increase in the size of the labor force, an increase in the average worker's labor productivity, and a rise in the capital stock. The CBO, or Congressional Budget Office, produced this report in February 2022. The CBO has a generally good reputation for producing unbiased reports. This report is dispassionate, and its statements of single-payer's benefits makes the case for single-payer even stronger. The CBO, our Congressional Budget Office, produced this report in February 2022. The CBO has a generally good reputation for producing unbiased reports. This report is dispassionate, and its statements of single-payer's benefits makes the case for single-payer even stronger. I hope this podcast made you more aware of some of the well-known and lesser-known problems with our healthcare system and how a single-payer Medicare for All system would solve them. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Remember to tell your family, friends, and colleagues about this podcast. Information about Medicare for All Explained can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.